This is the Visual Developers Podcast with your hosts, Lacey Kessler, Matt Varghese, and Ben Parker. Interviews, no-code reviews, tutorials, and more, we're here to talk about all things no-code. Hey, everybody. Ben here with Visual Dev FM, back for another episode. Uh, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about some... You know, using code. And no, I know it seems counterintuitive. We're talking about using code in your no code project. Uh, and I'm joined, as always, by my co hosts, Lacey and Matt. Hello. Heyo. And uh, before we dive into talking about code, I know it seems weird, but once again, we're going to get there. Uh, we're going to cover everything that's new in no code this week. Um, so we're going to start with Webflow. Uh, Webflow World Tour has been happening. Last week, we saw. Um, the all the, the meetups in the Americas time zone. Uh, this week, it moves to other regions. Super excited about that. And if you're listening from somewhere that's not America, make sure you go check that out. Uh, dial in and get registered. But I've heard nothing but great things from Webflow World Tour. I don't know about YouTube, but all, just all the tweets and all the feedback seems super positive and, and really amazing. I was able to catch... Um both Leo Zakor from Bonds and also Chris Baggs' talk. Um, and it was amazing. So I, I missed out on a lot of others, but I'm literally realizing after I'm sure you'll get to the next point that Webflow announced a lot of goodies there. So since we, since Webflow announced all these goodies, I can now officially mention these um, without, without fear. So um, we'll link to McKinsey's tweet because this is the, He's the person who kind of tweeted this out and brought it to everybody's attention. But, um, you know, in that, in the Webflow World Tour, they did talk about some things that are coming from Webflow, including user systems, um, you know, user logins, uh, subscription services, uh, subscriptions. So um, logic flows. So I think being able to build, you know, a Zap without leaving Webflow because it all happens inside there. Uh, nested symbols. So, Symbols inside of symbols. I don't know. I would say symbols and symbols and symbols, but I honestly don't know how neat, deep you're going to be able to nest a symbol, but a uh, really cool feature. Um, super powerful components, which is, you know, actually symbols. Um, those, those names will be changing. And then um, team collaboration inside the designer, which is, oh, I'm so excited about that. What would be an example of like a nested symbol? I'm trying to think. How would I use that? Yeah, that's a really great question. So like you can think of it like, um, so let's say you have a social media uh, section or, or symbol where people click and they can go to your social media sites. So you have you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know, all those different things. Hopefully not Facebook. Uh, this is my weekly hate on Facebook portion of the podcast. But, you know, you have all these links where people can go find you on social media. Well, you can could, you could make that its own symbol. But then let's say like you want to use it in your nav bar, but you also want to use it in the footer. But you might also use it like in the sidebar of a blog. So you could actually put it inside your 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 sim- other symbols. Yeah. And then, you know. That's you cool. Look, yeah. Then you can go back in and just work on that one section and it's going to be reflected well, you know, wherever it exists. So it's pretty cool. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to open up a lot of power. Uh, for a lot of different users. So, so I, I think when people hear like nested symbols, they're like, hey, what's the big deal? But like when you really dive into it, 
the power there is so incredible. And so out of these talks, you know, uh, Frank Ramirez, who is, he's a PM um, at Webflow and he's the lead for our user systems. He did tweet, what are some things you'd really like to see possible with user systems? So link in the show notes, tweet Frank, what you want to see uh, with user systems. I think it'd be really cool uh, for you to weigh in. Um, and it's awesome that uh, Webflow is working on this and that, uh, you know, we know about it now. So really cool. Um, and so there's also a link in the show notes to a recap of all of the meetups that happened in the American time zones. Um, and so there's a Webflow had a blog post that just kind of outlined, here's all the things that happened and a uh, recap of some of the talks and what they covered. So you can check that out uh, there. Uh, Webflow did announce that they've moved symbols to their own panel. So um, instead of, you know, you used to go to the ad and then like up at the top, you'd have to switch, you know, they had layouts and symbols and you kind of, it was kind of felt like kind of hidden. Now on the left-hand side, there is, you know, a panel just for symbols, make those a little easier to access and get at, which is really cool. Uh, you can link in the show notes to learn a little bit more about that. Lazy load. Now built into Webflow, and you know I'm just going to clap a little bit for this one because I am so excited about this feature. Um, if you, if I don't know, if you've ever built, you know, if you're building front end, you're building websites, and you're really trying to to get your pages to load quicker, you know that lazy load always comes. It's that ability to get your images to only load as people scroll down and hit that area of the page. So it doesn't load when the page loads; it only loads when the user you know, loads that part of the page and it keeps, keeps your page load speeds up. Um, and you know, there are all kinds of little JavaScript libraries out there where you can include them in your project, you know, have it lazy load your images, all these different pieces. It's a lot of work. Um, and you know, a lot of people will probably still be doing that sort of thing for videos because um, you know, this doesn't apply to videos and this doesn't apply to background images either. Um, so, uh, but that is, there's a caveat. It's not background images. Well, another thing to know is that we're the way it's implemented, um, essentially is you add an attribute to the image, uh, loading equals lazy. You can do that to any image. Um, that's supported by Chrome and Firefox. It's not supported by Safari yet. Um, so if you're, if you're like, Oh, Hey, why is my page load score so slow on Safari? Or why is it loading slow on Safari? Uh, it's because Safari is not supported yet. Um, so something to keep in mind. Does this apply to CMS images, like inline blog post images and things like yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. It does. Okay, cool. Yeah. So uh, inline blog post images, I'm not a thousand percent sure there. Um, I think it should default to to loading lazy okay. if it's inline. Yeah. Cool. Um, and you'd have to go switch it if you didn't want it to to do that. There, There's the other caveat is, you know, well, the, the caveat doesn't work in Safari. Um, Safari is working on adding it uh, into its support set. In fact, if you have developer mode turned on in Safari, you can go to the developer menu and go to experimental features and turn on lazy loading. Um, so, you, you know, you can see it's there. It's just not widely accepted yet. Hopefully that gets picked up soon. Um, but link in the show notes to can I use on this so you can see which browsers support it. Um, so that's really cool news. And uh, I thought this is cool. We talked about this way back in our, some of our very first episodes, you know, uh, talking about, can you have a career as a visual developer? Um, talking about people who are hiring Webflow developers and designers. Um, and Webflow is now hiring a design to two designer roles with one role specifically for someone to build sites for Webflow in Webflow. So 
if you're a Webflow master, um, definitely check out the tweet linked in the show notes and, and go apply uh, for this job. Uh, it's going to be really cool. And I can tell you that working with the Webflow team is really awesome. And I think you would really enjoy it. So uh, cool, cool, cool gig. And uh, hope you go check it out. Adalo. Dalo has a new component with this component store. We're going to we'll probably see a lot of these, um, but there's a new component. It's the slider component. It's not slider like you may think like an image slider. It's like a slider for a form element. Um, so, you know, you can slide something, the value up and down, really cool. Um, and so definitely go check that out. Also, last week, uh, Dalo highlighted their audio player component and they used clips from our podcast to uh, show that off. So super excited about that. Thank you, Adalo. Really appreciate uh, the shout out um, and link in the show notes if you want to go check that out. Thunkable, uh, which we haven't mentioned in a long time, but Thunkable, um, they have an app building challenge. I feel like everybody has an app building challenge right now. So like, if you want, like now's the time to, if you're like one of those people who likes the, the gauntlet thrown down, this is your time to shine. There's a lot of these. So um, Thunkable has an app building challenge for two for a $200 Amazon gift card. The deadline is August 31st. So if you're a Thunkable pro, definitely go check it out. If you've not built in Thunkable before, go check it out. It's actually really fun, really fun to use fun. It's fun with an R, not fun with an F U. Um, and that just got even worse. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Uh, so, uh, but it's it, it's really fun to build with. If you've ever built with like the scratch MIT pieces where you drag the blocks together for your your logic, your engineering logic, um, that's how Thunkable works. You just snap the blocks and it takes all these actions. It's really fun. Uh, so definitely go check that out. While we're on the hackathon uh, train, your V1 also has the hackathon coming. It's to win $500. That's August 27th. So last call, we've talked about this for a few weeks. Uh, you get access to, uh, to uh, your V1 for 72 hours. Build any app you want using your V1, and then you submit it. Winner takes home $500. So link in the show notes to go check that out. Definitely enjoy it. Parabola, uh, they have a few updates, which is really cool. They updated the insert if else column step to make it more plain speak, um, which is really cool. Um, uh, in that if else piece was there's a lot of moving moving parts there uh, and it could get a little complicated. It's cool to see that uh, cleaned up a little bit. And they've also been selected as a Shopify staff pick, which is really cool. They released that Shopify module. We talked about that a couple episodes back. Um, but being selected as a Shopify staff pick is really neat. And uh, they also uh, tweeted about how you can use Parabola as a Shopify refund tool. So it's a flow where you can issue refunds automatically using Parabola from your Shopify store, which is really, really nice. Um, and if you look at that flow, it is really long, uh, but it's it's really cool. It goes and uh, does a ton, takes a ton of actions. There's API enrichments and all these different pieces that, that are in there. Um, but definitely go check that out. I'm sure that will probably end up being added to the sidebar so uh, other people can take advantage of it. I don't, I don't know for sure, but I know Parabola is doing a lot more of that lately, so that's pretty neat. Um, we have another update that we saw today that was mind-blowing, really uh, stood out to me, and that's uh, Brota and Alex Iglesias. Um, he released uh, the Advanced Forms site. So if you go to advanced-forms.webflow.io, um, it is a site 
where you can build advanced forms. So um, multi-step forms, conditional logic, and then it generates code that you can put in your site. So you can do, you know, some more advanced fun things in, in Webflow form with Webflow forms. You know, I think the multi-step form for a long time for people in Webflow was people using the slider tool or, or other pieces. So this is a huge step in the right direction and especially being able to use conditional logic. That's really amazing. Super excited about this. And I think it's really neat. I, I don't, it's, it falls into the same category for me as those tools that have come from FinSuite uh, and, uh, and others in the no code community where it's like, you just get to make this really quick, put in my form ID, put in the ID of my next button. It automatically gives me the code to make it all work. Um, you know, and it even will, you know, one of the big problems with multi-step forms and Webflow is if you have something marked required, then the form wouldn't submit if they didn't fill it out or, and it's hidden from them. And it's, so it takes all of those things into account and really solves for that. It's a really cool thing to check out. It did have buttons to say, watch tutorial. And those didn't work when I looked. So I guess the tutorials are probably coming soon. Um, but they did have like quick start guides on how you get started using it. I'm oh. super. Oh, go ahead. My bad. Oh, I was going to say, I'm super pumped about this because I will do anything to not build a form in Webflow. And it's, I mean, no harsh, I love you Webflow, but like it, I don't know why for me, it's just like one of the hardest things to make them like do what I want them to do. Or I don't know, I don't know what it is, but I was super pumped when I saw this because it's like, oh, good. I can like, you know, hack my way through this like I do the other stuff and like get a solution together using a tool on top of a tool. And so if you're like me and hate building forms, then we should not build forms together and just use this. <laughs> There's some really fun stuff out there on the forms front. I, I was looking the other day. There's some really exciting form builders out there. Um, and just a, with a bunch of different twists. But this is really neat because it's using those Webflow native forms. I personally love building forms in Webflow. Um, sometimes it can feel like you're losing this wrestling match when you're, tr you're trying to get them the way you want. But I don't know. I enjoy it. I understand people who don't. I, I will say my caveat with this site is I think it encourages bad behavior. Um, and what I mean by that is 95% of the time I see a multi-step form, you didn't need a multi-step form. Um, you know, it's like when you fill out the type form and there were three questions, it's like, did we really need like three different pages for those three? Like we could have just slapped three inputs on a field and call it good. Um, you know, you don't always need a multi-step form, but it's really cool that this provides people a way and the power to do that. And really when you do need that multi-step form, most of the time, it's when you're, you do have that conditional logic. Like if they select X, show me this. That's some incredible power to be able to do that. So love this. think it's really cool. I personally have a conditional logic thing I've been wanting to try, and I was going to use JotForm, but I think instead I'm going to give this a run. Uh, maybe I'll do a YouTube video about it, but uh, really cool. So go check it out. Link in the show notes, as always. Uh, Rubicon's app. So Noah Raskin. And with help from Chris Baggs, launched rubicons.app. If you're a no-coder and you're like, hey, I've been looking for a really good icon set, this is a good one. And it's free. You can jump in um, and built in Webflow. 
Um, and there's some icons in here. I don't know. It feels like it says search 297 icons, but I felt like there was another number somewhere else where there's more. I don't know how many officially here, but it's a lot. There's a lot of icons and there's a settings panel where you can open it up and you can choose, you know, the width of the stroke. You can choose how many different, like the different various sizes of the icon you can put in a color and then you can download uh, those, those uh, icons. And so you get those uh, when they're downloaded come as um, I think an SVG. Um, so that way you can use them um, SVG and it, it will not, it doesn't just download one, like it'll literally download the whole set for you. So if you wanted to use that set somewhere, um, you could. But really cool to see um, see this launch. And I will say props to Noah because designing this many icons and building them is uh, it's a chore. Like if you've ever designed 10 icons for a site that you're working on from scratch, you'll know how hard it is to get it right. Um, and to design this many is like a Herculean effort. And so super props, this is really cool. I'm excited to see this launch. Uh, TechCrunch had an interesting article out um, where five VCs discuss how no-code is going going horizontal across the world's industries. And they talk about the impact of no-code. So link in the show notes, you can jump in and check this out. Um, Full disclosure, you're gonna need, TechCrunch is at that place where they charge you for access. So you're gonna need paid access to read this article but I definitely wanted to, to share it with you. MakerPad uh, has a 30-day no-code challenge coming. Uh, like I said, if you love a challenge, now's your time in no-code. Uh, this is really awesome. It starts September 1st. It's for 30 days. Um, and Ben Tossel tweeted about this. Really cool. Um, so the judges for this are next level. Um, you have Brian Kimmel, Ryan Hoover, our very own, Lacey Kessler. Um, so, uh, Lacey, do you want to tell all the listeners your preferred, like, coffee or soda drink, like, your favorite snack? If they want to, like, s- when they submit something, they Maybe. also want to sort of bribe A you. Quick like, bribe, you know? yeah. 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 Just, just yeah. share your address here while you're at it. Why, so yeah. Can yeah. I can give you my bank account number, too, and that would be actually. Just wire amazing. some money to me. Yeah, just send me some money. <laughs> Um, I like white wine from New Zealand. Um, actually, not a joke. I really do. <laughs> but um, uh, no, I'm super pumped about this, and I'm really excited to be part with all of these other judges on there. I saw the list, and I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like, whew, this is big. This is fun." So um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what people build, and I mean, I'm I'm curious too. I don't know if they're opening it up to everyone or if it's just within the people within MakerPad. So I'm interested to see um, how that part goes. But yeah, super excited about it. As I understand it, it's just the people in MakerPad. Ah, yeah. I saw that I, I guess maybe I didn't catch the latest post on it. But yeah, interested to, either way, it's going to be cool. Definitely go check it out. And if you've been like waiting to join MakerPad, maybe now's the time. Like if you're like, hey, I've been wanting to join and I can go in here and absolutely win win some prizes and do some cool things. So the prize pool is an iPad Pro, um, which is huge, MakerPad swag, Amazon gift vouchers, and more. Um, the criteria is originality, the idea, the progress made, the skill level shown. Um, so uh, a bunch of different items here that you uh and they give you some even examples and ideas a bunch of different resources 
So definitely uh, jump in and check that out. Um, and and can't wait to see all the incredible things that come from the community. I just keep thinking back to like No Code Rumble and all these other um, these other challenges that we've had, and all of the really incredible things that came out of it. Um, and so I know this is going to be really cool. And last but not least, well, last and probably least, we'll, we'll say it that way, is leading into this week's episode, um, I was going to mention uh, a video that I released this weekend. So this is something that we've actually been talking about quite a bit on our end. Um, when I launch a no-code project, typically I I use VS Code and GitHub and all these. I have this workflow that I have specifically for, for my projects um, because most of the time uh, when I launch something, I'm using just a little bit of custom code. It's never, you know, it's never hundreds of lines. It's, you know, but it's some. And, um, and, and so I've had a few different people ask me like, how do you do that? What's the process? I've shared it with Matt. I've shared it with a few other people um, and shown it off and everybody's like, well, we should like do a tutorial on this. And it's literally a game changer because like, for reference, for anyone listening that maybe might not code um, or might not be into it yet, like the way I did it before is like I would take code and I would shove it maybe into the, yeah, most of the time I'd shove it into the custom code panel in the page settings or something like that. And every time you made a change, you would have to go from VS Code because I like that nice formatting. Upload doesn't have any formatting or linting or anything like that. You'd stuff it in there, then you have to go publish the site again, then refresh your page, and do this all the time over and over and over again. And then Ben showed me this incredible way to just like sync VS Code with GitHub with Webflow. And I was just like, my workflow is forever changed. So now I just like literally all I do when I do this, I just go to Slack just so I can remember the exact Git, Git commands. And then I just type in, in, in my DMs with Ben, I just search for these commands and then that's how I do all of my uh, Git commands. I'm obviously not a great technical coder uh, if I'm having to refer to Slack messages as my base, but it works and it works well. I've got a Git cheat sheet I can share and we can link in this episode even of just uh, common Git commands. But um, link in the show description if you want to check out this video that I made but I wanted to take a minute to just walk through my process a little bit, share a little bit about it, and um, and talk you through the whys of why I do it this way um, and how I typically approach coding in a project. Uh, but before we get there, let's let's talk about why would you, why like this is no code. Why in the world would we use code in a no code project? And so um, for me, I feel like. Uh, it's there's always some sort of uh, extra piece of functionality I want to pull off or some piece uh, that's really specific that comes from a client that they need X to happen or Y to happen. And, and there's just no way to make that work. Sans a really weird plugin where you're embedding something and it's iframed and it looked at, you know, the style doesn't match and you can't get it how you want it. And that leaves me, you know, writing code and I'm, Thinking back to projects I've written code for, like I, I just helped launch um, a conference website and built in Webflow with Zapier. We used uh, quite, we used quite a little bit of JavaScript in that one. Um, you know, Rapper Radio, which Matt and I worked on together. JavaScript, we used JavaScript there. Um, 
I don't know, Matt, you have any projects where you used or Lacey where you guys use some code? Yeah. So I just did one recently um, where I like really needed, this is actually why Ben and I talked about it. So I like, I have this client that they have an in-house development team and the in-house development team uses like bootstrap styles for like some components and things like that. But you can't bring in the entire bootstrap CSS file because it will overwrite all of your Webflow styles. And so that messes up the site. And so what I need to do is I need to extract just the CSS that I needed, which was a lot of declarations, but um, I, I wanted to extract those declarations, put it in a file, and then be able to make changes to that file. And like putting it in the Webflow, like custom page settings or custom code settings would work, but I wanted a cleaner way to do that. And so what I did is there's this amazing tool, by the way, I think it's called CSS Extract. Um, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but what I did is I extracted the bootstrap code, put it in VS code, spun up a repository for the client. Um, and then I just followed the workflow that you showed me. And then I put that in my project. And now when the develop, now that like, honestly, the development team could make changes to the CSS file without even having access to uh, the Webflow project because they've got access to the repo and they can push changes to the repo. Um, and so like, that's a, I thought that was actually a somewhat neat use case that I wasn't thinking of before that just like kind of happened. Um, so yeah, props to Ben. Cause I did not, it wasn't super fun going back and forth with the development team team to make minor CSS styling changes. Hmm. Yeah. I use it some too, not a lot. Um, or I get it like I've had it, um, it's a ton of JavaScript or it's pretty much all JavaScript if I need it. And I um, never learned JavaScript, which is so weird to me that when I was going through uh, and learning how to code, it was like we did um, HTML, you know, CSS, and then jump straight into Ruby on Rails. And that was, you know, I, and I look back now and I'm like, no wonder I like struggled <laughs> so much through it. Cause that's like such a, a leap in, in functionality and all sorts of stuff. But, um, so we didn't cover JavaScript. And, um, so now I love using it on my Webflow projects for different stuff. Like I had this one thing where I was creating a dashboard and, um, you know, it's like you, if you, I had these squares lined up. This is a client project and these squares. And like, if you clicked on this, the square is supposed to take you into a tab on a separate page. And this tab was supposed to kind of mimic like a, like a, um, a web app that, you know, the page isn't refreshing every single time. And so, um, you know, I brought in, who was it? Noah Raskin, you know, um, this was months ago, but like brought him in and I was like, can you just, write the code <laughs> that does this. Cause I can't, I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, and anyway, he, he gave it to me, but yeah, I use it for those kind of things. And then I think more so than like actually writing code, it's more what's helped me is knowing the type of code that I'm looking for to help understand the problems that I'm dealing with. You know, like if I'm stuck on something, it's like, oh, I'd need JavaScript for that. Or no, it's going to be more some like backend language or different stuff like that. That's kind of more been my focus lately. I love, I love, I, I, it's just ton of JavaScript for me. It's where I won't say I love JavaScript. I, lo I do, I do enjoy writing it. I have fun doing it. Um, 
you know, common use cases for me are like Lacey mentioned forms earlier. Well, you know, let's say you're building a site in Webflow and you have a Webflow form and maybe something, one of the things that you're going to get from people is a web, a web address, like a address to a website. And you want to use that in Zapier or in Tegramat and do something with it. So for me, it was, hey, okay, I'm going to take this, this URL, I'm going to pass it through, and I'm going to put it into the Webflow CMS. Okay, we already have a problem. Um, and the problem is that in Webflow, if you pass through webflow.com to the CMS, it doesn't automatically validate that address, and the link won't work in the CMS if you live publish. Okay, so now we have a problem. Um, but if I just add HTTPS in the front on Zapier's end, um, then you know what happens if somebody types in HTTPS manually? Like, okay, well, that's a heartache. And visually, I can tell them HTTPS and guide them not to do it. But sometimes people still do it anyway. Um, you know, and then I can do some like string replace in Zapier and look and see if it's there, and then remove it. And I was like, this is just way too complicated. So um, I have like a common snippet I use. In fact, it's in my GitHub snippets repo that people have access to if you want to use that, Um, where if people click into uh, this specific input that you tell it, you know, essentially it automatically adds HTTPS for them. And whether if they type it, it just keeps it. If they don't, it adds it for them and makes sure it gets there. And then when it's passed to Webflow, what I can do is it will automatically be validated. And then if I have any other steps, I can remove HTTPS off. Like, so one of my steps was I automatically want to take a screenshot of this website, but the API I'm using doesn't want that in front of it. That's fine. Now I have a really common string where I can remove that because it's always going to have HTTPS in front. So it's, it allows me to, to have these no code flows and do these really specific things. So for me, it's typically small things. Like I just got through working on a site that had a countdown to a specific date you know, okay, going to write JavaScript for that, right? Um, and so, you know, there's all those different pieces like where you end up needing it. If you were going to suggest someone learn to code, you know, if let's say a no coder, they're like, you know, I, I want to learn to code, but I only want to learn to code that's going to like push me forward in no code. I'm not necessarily looking to build straight applications with code. What language or languages would you tell them to look at? JavaScript is a language of the future. <laughs> you know, people probably, um, some people might disagree with me, but I think JavaScript's a language to learn. I think that's what people should focus on for a couple of reasons. One, um, I mean, everything uses JavaScript, so it's it's going to be really easy to use. I, I try to get myself to use jQuery less and less, but like, uh, which is a JavaScript library, but uh, that's really important. And then if people ever want to graduate and create a full app, um, you know, the, thing that everybody uses now is react not that if you learn javascript you know react but that's a step in that direct direction so if if you did want to keep growing that direction um you know you're moving in the right direction where you can build all these components build an app kind of use some of that knowledge but um you know javascript's the thing that i think you would you would need to latch on to for sure um so let's jump into my workflow let's talk a little bit about it um so why no code? We talked a little bit about why code with no code. We talked about the, about that a little bit, you know, these different use cases. And we could probably go on and on and on. Um, but basically my workflow is to use GitHub. And so if you're scared of GitHub, don't be scared of GitHub. It's literally just a place that stores your code. That's it. Um, and so it, there doesn't have to be anything intimidating about it. 
Um, and so basically I take GitHub and I create a new repository and the repository is just a project. Um, and it's a place that's going to hold my code. Um, and then I use VS code, which is a code editor. You can use sublime. You can use any code editor you want. If you have a code editor, you really like pick anything you like. That's okay. Um, VS code is really powerful because it has a bunch of different plugins and other, other IDEs too. text editors have those too, but uh, my favorites are like ES lint, um, which will scream at you if you have errors in your code. So if you're like, I don't really know how to code. Great. It will show you where all of your problems are. It literally underlines them on is like, Oh, Hey, this is a problem. This is a problem. That's a problem. Um, and then Two, there's a, pro, there's a program called Prettier that will help you format your code to make it look good. Um, so that way it's a lot easier to read for other people. Um, there's a, another plugin I use that minifies your files. So it basically it collapses them all um, and makes them as small as possible. Um, but then you from that, you make your changes on your computer, save your files on your local computer, and then use a terminal in the command line um, to push those changes up to GitHub. Or if you don't want to do that, uh, VS Code literally has a, a visual interface where you can stage changes and, and take actions that way. Um, you know, uh, Atom, which I'm sure will eventually go away, but it has, like, literally you can do it all in Atom without ever touching a command line. Like, you make changes, stage it, push a button, it pushes it up to GitHub. Um, so, you know, find your text editor that you like, but you can do all, set all your styles, all your colors, kind of get all the languages you want to support in there. Uh, but then write that code, push it up to GitHub. And then what I like to do is GitHub has a has a has an option called GitHub Pages where you can turn any GitHub repository into a website. And it's turned, you know, it serves it up on a server as a, you know, as a, as a website. And so if you set your, if you uh, take your JavaScript files and you push them up into GitHub, then they're accessible to on the web there. You can copy the link to that. And then instead of writing your code in Webflow, like Matt suggested and was talking about, um, you know, where he's like, you know, instead of writing, changing, writing, changing, copy, pasting, publish, you can just post, paste that one script line into your project in the before body or up in the head if you need it there. And then you can do the same thing with the style sheet and place it up there. And then now you can make all your changes in your editor on your computer, save it, um, use these commands like git add, git commit, git push, and push them up to GitHub and then those deploy. And when they deploy, they're available. And it makes you like this really powerful person if you didn't feel like that. Like just having this workflow where you can kind of use GitHub to serve your your files. Get, there is a service called JS Deliver. Link in the show notes to all this and to my video that explains all of this too, by the way. But JS Deliver basically turns those files. You can give it a file and it will put it on a CDN so it'll load faster. So now once you're through developing, and once you're through writing your code, you can put it into JS Deliver so it's you know served lightning fast. Replace your GitHub links in your project with the JS Deliver links, and you're good to go. Um, and it's a fun process, and and it might take a little bit of learning, and it certainly sounds complicated when we talk about it this way. Um, but I think the video will probably clarify a lot of things for you. Um, but super powerful. What's the downside of JS Deliver? if there is any, versus using GitHub pages? There is no downside. I mean, I guess one downside would be like, okay, so here's why we do it, right? Um, GitHub pages isn't necessarily served over CDN, isn't isn't optimized to be served over CDN the way, um, in the way, you know, JS Deliver is. And so let's say 
we develop our site, get that, get our code pushed. We switch out our GitHub links for JS deliver links. And then let's say a month later, something changes and we're like, whoa, 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 we need to change this code. When you change the code and commit to GitHub, it's not going to instantly change on JS deliver or on your site because JS delivers caching things and keeping them for a long time because it makes it quicker to serve. So if someone's hit the page before, um, you know, you have to clear it. So you might have to go into the, the script you're sourcing or the style sheet you're sourcing and just change the version of this of the file and i covered this in the video of where you can get that little snippet and paste it in there and get the latest version so would you say let's say i wasn't changing the version and i was just testing should i use github pages instead of js deliver until i'm ready yes so i always use github pages until until i'm ready to ship and then i'll go back one step um so the most powerful thing that here's where here's why no code is awesome no code is awesome because you can make a change and you instantly see the change. That's why Webflow rules. Um, you know, you put something on the canvas, you change the color on that property to red. The text changes to a red color. It's instant. You see it, you know, color red. I saw it, right? And it's, it's abstracted away. But as soon as I make that change, I see the change happening live on the page. There's a power there. And so, you know, if I'm writing code, I understand. So if there's code that I know, if there's a function that I know, if there's you know snippets that I know, I don't worry about. I just jump right into VS Code and I start working. But like, let's say I'm trying something new and I know I might struggle a little bit. Um, so the first thing I do is I open up Code Sandbox. So CodeSandbox.io, um, you can get a free account there with you sign in with GitHub. Um, think of CodePen; it's like another version of that. Think of JS Fiddle, one of those. I say go jump into one of those um, and start working there. So essentially it gives you blank HTML, blank JS, blank CSS, and you can write your code um, and kind of experiment on the fly. What's really cool about Code Sandbox, you make a change, hit Control-S or you know Command-S on a Mac, it instantly reloads the page and it shows you what's happening. So if you're like, oh, I'm not sure what the code is doing here. Like, I'm going to change this. Nope, that wasn't it. Change this. Nope, that also wasn't it. Okay, um, what what else might it be? Let me change this. Oh, let me try this idea. Instead of query selector all, I'm going to get element by ID or like what? Like you can just kind of keep playing with all these different options until it starts to behave the way you want. Then you can take that code set and put it into VS Code commit it. And then, you know, you kind of know where you're at, but that gives you that instant feedback without having to save, commit, you know, refresh the page and check. You can kind of work in one spot, which is really helpful. Can you, because like this might be helpful for other people because this was help, helpful for me. Can you define these terms? Like just like a high level overview of like, what is committing? Is that pushing it live or is that just like sending it to GitHub or what? Yeah. So essentially we'll walk through it, right? So you write code and you make a change and you save it. You save that code. If you're in a good code editor, it's going to tell you um, that you ch you've changed something. It'll actually show you like VS Code. You can click it. It has a file change section. It'll show you those changes you've made and where it was before. It's called, they call it the diff. So you can see the differences between the two files. Like, oh, I just changed this. I can kind of see what I did and what I didn't do. When you're ready, you're like, okay, I know this is going to go. So I'm going to git add. What git add does is it stages it. So it means 
it tells it tells the computer it tells GitHub we're going to commit this or put this up on the repo. We we like these changes. Let's go. So you're basically approving the changes. With commit, you're writing a commit message and basically you're saying, okay, I'm going to tell people what I did. So it's like git commit and then you do like a dash m and in quotes you describe the changes you're making. So you might say like added this function to the page that does X, Y, and Z, right? And then you hit enter. And the reason you're doing this is typically in GitHub, you're working with other people. And at, in GitHub, you're, this is going to be public. People will be able to see the commit that you made. So if your commit is F, F this, F that, this will never effing work, uh, which I've seen from people just know that that's going to be public if you're frustrated, right? Uh, but, um, you know, when you write that commit, you do it for two reasons. One, so other people know what you did. Like, what did this commit do? What did this update to the code do? And then two, it's also to tell yourself, like, you might write code. I feel like it's this way with when you're writing code, when you build something in Webflow, if you build something in Bubble, if you build a Zap, if you make an integromat scenario, if you make a flow in Parabola, I, this happens to me all the time. You build something, it's really intricate. You really dove into the details. You walk away from it. Six months later, somebody's like, hey, can we update X? And you're like, hmm, yeah, sure. Like, we can do that. Then you open the project and you are like, what was I How did doing? I do this? <laughs> yeah, what, what was I drinking when I made this zap? Like, and you're trying to remember exactly how you were thinking. And that's part of what this commit is to. You're telling yourself, this is what I did. You know, it's not going to be paragraphs long, but it's just quick sentence. This is what I was doing. Now you commit it, and then that means it's ready to go. And then git push means you're pushing that file up to GitHub. And then now it lives in GitHub on the server, and it lives on your computer. So it's in both places. Um, if you're working with other people, they could create pull requests or branches and, um, you know, write off of your code, based off your code and merge it and commit it back in and, um, it's really neat how it works, like when it gets really complicated too. But at the same time, from a very base level, if you're working by yourself or just with a couple of people, this is a really easy way for you to get code up into the cloud that you can use into your project without having to do a lot of work. Um, and once you get comfortable with it, like anything else, the more time you spend on it, the more you're like, oh yeah, I've got, I've got this. Even if you're not, like I've done this with people who aren't coders and once they've done it a couple of times, they're like, hey, like I got this, like we can do this. Um, so I hope you don't feel intimidated by it. I think this is a really cool way too to kind of identify with what, not that this makes you a developer, but kind of identify with that world that engineers live in. And you'll, you'll realize you'll write something, you'll commit it and you'll push it. And you're like, yes. And then you notice a small thing. And you're like, going to go back one more. It's like the design file, final, final, one more time, final, last time, final. I'm never editing this again, dot PSD or whatever. Like, you know, um, you know, you'll kind of get in that situation. You can kind of identify what that look, what that looks like and really come to value no-code tools because of that instant feedback and not having to do that. But when you do need code in your project and you have these very specific use cases for it, this is a great way to serve it up. It makes it really easy, uh, a, lot, a lot more accessible to you. And then here's what I do. I do two things. One, I have a public repo. That means anybody can see it. I can serve it over a website. And I use that to serve those files to my Webflow site. Okay, so I do that. But I'll create a second project or repository and I'll make it private. And I'll create, I'll even call it maybe the same name dash private. And that means only I can see it and anybody I give access to can see it. And then what I do is I document the zaps I built for a project. Like 
hey, when the zap fires, like the zap fires, like when a user fills out a form, the zap fires, then this happens, then this step, then this step, then this step. And then I document those things I did in those zaps. So I remember like if that client comes back to me six months later, I go, hmm, I have this documentation that I can go read. If they're technical, they can also, I share it with them. They can read it and go, oh, cool. Like, okay, I see what he was doing here. Like I can jump in and just make this change. No big deal, right? Um, and it's the same thing too with the code that I write. Like I might write, you know, a bunch of code, but only end up using some of it. Well, they know what some of that functionality is. So I leave the code that I removed from the final project. I leave it in the repo. That way, if they wanted to implement it into their current project, they could copy that code and use it wherever they want. I wrote it while I was, you know, building their project. If they want to use it, more power to them. Um, and then I also document just like my whole process with them. I have a checklist of things I go through when I launch a site. I keep that there, um, you know, and we share uh, different pieces back and forth in, in there. And um, so you can kind of have this private place where like, I'll even put design files up there, links to Figma boards that we use, those sorts of things. So they know where to go get everything that we used in that project. They have this one source and then that's private between us. And then I have a public one I'm using to share the files you know, to the website too. So that's kind of my code and no code process and why I work the way I work and those things that I go through, um, you know, and you may have listened to this and go, that's really cool. This sounds super scary. I don't even want to try it. Um, I highly encourage you to give it a go. Watch my video. I think it makes sense if you watch it. it might make a little more sense. You might feel a little more comfortable uh, and hopefully it makes it feel approachable where it's not something that's intimidating. So um, and you know, the other question that you might ask is like, okay, if I'm going to use code, where do I learn? Like, how do I learn to code or where do I learn? And I think the beauty of no code is, um, you don't really have to fully learn to code. Like if you can just understand the concepts, right? The basic concepts, you can go copy and paste stuff from things like places like stack overflow, paste it into your project, modify it just to fit the things that you're doing. Um, you know, small modifications, just enough to get by. If you can do that, eventually over time, you really will start to pick up some stuff. But, um, you know, so you, it's not like you have to be a power user even. It's just even the, understanding the concepts and being able to recognize what's happening in the code can be a huge help. Um, you know, and I also use CSS quite a bit um, in mine as well. But uh, if you're going to learn to code, uh, westboss.com. And we, we're going to have a bunch of links here. I'm going to mention just a few. Uh, Team Treehouse is really good. Um, you know, there is, if you want to learn for free, free code camp, um, that's available. Uh, Glitch has a whole thing on learning to code. Um, but, you know, if you want to pay West Boss, I think it's really great. Well, learn uh, JavaScript. Scrimba is really good. If you're the kind of person who likes to do, like to, you like to, you have to do it to learn it. Um, Scrimba is really good because they have these videos of instructors and it plays and they're, they, they're teaching you code by showing you the editor. But when you can pause it, and edit the code as it's how it's wild. Like it's an interactive code box that you're seeing the changes, but you can stop and change it yourself. It's really cool. Let you work alongside it. It's pretty neat. Um, and then if you want to learn things like the command line, there's a, there's the a command line power user.com, which is a West boss course, which I highly suggest to teach you how to get commands and style your terminal and learn how to, to get around there. And then, if you wanted to use a text editor um, and you wanted to try VS Code, there's a link here uh, to vscode.pro where you can go learn all the ins and outs. What's really cool about VS Code is you can literally, let's say 
you're using the same line of code over and over and over again, but you're just changing variables in two or three places. You can click in all of those and backspace all of them at once and type all of them at once. So you don't have to type it over and over again. So you can have like multiple cursors on the screen and you can do all kinds of cool little tricks with it. Um, and so if you ever wanted to learn how to set that up and we talked about linters and, and styling your, your, your uh, code, it, tell, it teaches you how to do all of those things in the code editor. So to really get it set up the way you want. So if it's something you're invested in, if you're, you know, a no code power user and you're like, Hey, I use code and I really want to jump into this or I haven't used code, but I really want to try it. Uh, these might be some courses for you. Yeah, I was just, uh, I just pulled up the uh, Wes Boss. It's a guy. You're right. That's just, that's his name. Um, and his courses are actually all 50% off right now because he was like, you know, people are stuck at home. And so how cool is that? Like if I think for, and it's just like, you know, the, there's still an, an investment, but it's half of what it was. So if you're interested in it, it looks really cool. He's got a lot of stuff. He's got a lot of stuff. Um, I've taken his JavaScript course. I took like five hours of his React course. I didn't take it all. Um, I watched, I think, four videos or five. Um, and it's out of date a little bit. So I leaned back more on the React docs uh, some. But uh, he's updating that one. And that's the cool part. When you buy a course, if it becomes outdated, he goes back and re-records the videos on a regular basis and updates them and makes sure that they stay updated. Um, so, and he's easy to learn from. He's, I, I feel like he's one of those people, he explains it in a way like where it, if you're not a coder, even it makes it like you can kind of understand uh, what's happening. I really enjoy listening to him. So he's worth, te- he's worth checking out. Um, but a bunch of different options there that you'll have to to check out and you can, check these links in the show notes to go jump in, grab some courses if that's interesting to you. Um, But just knowing that, you know, a lot of the little polishes uh, that you can add to your site, like a lot of things that we were talking about here, like countdown timers and these really cool share pieces and uh, like social sharing and all these other things where, you know, you're like, Oh, how did people do that? Well, a lot of times, um, you know, people are just using a few lines of code to sort of make that, that go and to really make it happen and just, know that that's an option for you and um, don't, I don't think you should be intimidated to try it. That's, that's the big thing. That's why we want to talk about is that, you know, a lot of times hearing that is scary. And then also in the no code space, there's this weird stigma of like, we don't use code at all. And that's not true, right? Like you, you can use code, low code, no code, some code, whatever, whatever gets your project off the ground. But we just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about good processes and some things you could try, why you might want to use it and where you can go to, to, to get leveled up if that's something you're interested in. So, um, and uh, fair warning or full transparency, we are not affiliated with any of these people. We're not posting any links. We don't make any money off this. It's just us just kind of sharing resources that we, we enjoy um, and have used. So um, anyway, hope this is helpful. Matt, Lacey, any other thoughts on coding as a no coder before we get out of here? I would say give it a go for like, if you're intimidated, cause I was too, uh, give Ben's video a go and just, just do something like one line of code or something to see if you can get the code from VS code to GitHub as maybe step one and then figure out how to, Ben will explain it, but figure out how to get that code from, uh, GitHub to your webflow project and just like try it. Cause it's actually really fun. Even if it's like, even if it's dummy code or whatever, just like take it and try to get it into your Webflow project. Just because it's a cool feeling. 
like you feel like you have superpowers. And so, yeah, just give it a go. Yeah, that's what I would say too, is I think, especially if you can't write code or read code, um, I think your first aha moment is like what you should look for and just go for that. Like the get one thing working or be able to understand a couple of lines and it's going to feel a lot less intimidating the more that you're in it and doing it. Um, so if you're interested in it, I mean, like, don't be afraid you, you're, you're going to break something and it's going to forever be broken. It's okay to break things. Everyone breaks their own things all the time. So if that's, you know, you want to get in and play with it, go for it. A thousand percent. I always, like I used to always tell people when I worked in IT, you know, you pressing that button's not going to launch a rocket into space. That's okay. Like it's, it's, it's okay to like try these things and, and to give them a go. And, and for sure that, so what I built, I built it really quickly. Um, and I think it's a 30 minute video, so not super quick, uh, but quick enough an app that get, draws a card from an API basically gives you a card from a deck of cards. Um, and the code that I used is up in that repository. You can clone it or you can copy and paste it, whatever you want. You can clone my Webflow project if you want to try it with that. So if you want to even just copy what I did, uh, you can do that in the video, but definitely give it a try, see what you think of it. And if you're somebody who's a coder and you've been looking for a way to level up your, your game with your Webflow projects, highly recommend um, and hopefully it's helpful and something that you can use. So uh, as always, we just want to say thanks for hanging out and appreciate all of you listening. Um, you know, and if you have any feedback, definitely let us know. Um, but um, in the coming weeks, we've got some cool stuff. Um, there's an interview with uh, the CEO of Parabola, Alex. It'll be coming out soon. We're really excited about that interview and sharing it with you. Also, um, somebody tweeted us on Twitter, and I haven't really talked to Matt and Lacey about this, but somebody wanted an episode on design systems uh, and why, why we would use them in Twitter. So, or in, uh, not Twitter, in Webflow, so, or in any of your no-code projects. So, Surprise, we're designing Twitter 2.0 with design <laughs> systems. Going to do it. Maybe, maybe we will as an example. Uh, we'll build it. Uh, but uh, if you ever wondered why you should use a design system stick around we'll try to have an episode on that coming soon too i know somebody else also mentioned they would like uh, a mobile app smackdown yeah. with some yeah. of the others uh so we're, we're working on that too so those are just things that are in our pipeline um but thanks for listening we really appreciate you all and we'll talk to you soon bye Deuce. Thanks for listening to visualdev.fm. You can find us on your favorite social media platform at visualdev.fm. 